Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we have the Clara Gallagher. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you. Hi, Pete. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Listen, great to have you on. Great fellow Irish person. And uh, although you've evacuated over to France, I believe. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's 13 years now. It's kind of, you know, it scares the scares the head off you when you realize you can't actually the years because I've been saying like oh yeah it's about six or seven years until I realized it's a lot more than that <laughs> time so listen it's great to have you on just to give everyone a bit of background about who Claire is so she is a digital strategy coach for creative solopreneur, solopreneurs and one-to-one service providers she helps people to market and sell their services online by connecting with their natural strengths and core values the formula is to make more money doing work you love brand visibility and mindset. showing up online is always a great way to get new clients but actually doing it is easier said than done and there's much more ways you can do it get on doing things like speaking um showing up online blogging doing other things digital um presence and looking at what's going on there your digital strategy what you're going to do and also looking at your story as well so listen claire welcome to the show great to have you on Thanks a million. I'm really looking forward to it. Start with an easy one. Who are you and what do you do? Well, you kind of summed it up there, like my little bio there. um, I call myself a digital strategy coach, but most people haven't a clue what that is. My mother still doesn't know what what I'm talking about. Um, But it's basically a digital strategy coach, but it's kind of made up, really, if you think about it. Um, But digital strategy is basically making the best use of your resources to achieve a specific goal. So that's all kinds of strategy. And the way that I approach it is I help people to show up online in a way that helps them to get clients so that they get to do that they work, the work that they set out to do in the first place. Because a lot of the time when, when you work for yourself and you're wanting to provide a certain service, so I work with a lot of coaches and creatives and they get into it because they love the work but you quickly realize that getting the work is more than half of the work. So I help them to really align with their, their natural strengths, like the stuff that they're already good at and use that as a way to get clients online and put systems in place that makes it like less draining, like a, a better use of your time and energy in a way to get to do the work that you wanted to do in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense. Are you, are you good at what you do? I'm brilliant. Oh my God. So good. (laughs) No, I love the work and I do help people to get the results. Um, So I guess that means yes. (laughs) That's great. I mean, that's what it's all about. And and it's having the confidence to say that too, right? You know, because when you do do great work, you should always be proud of it and always stand out about it. You know, I I applaud you for that. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, the Irish thing again, making a joke of things that you're embarrassed about, but I do like, I get great feedback from my clients and they go off and they achieve the things. And that's, that's like the most valuable part of it for me. 
what's what's your flow state then where would we find you just where you are just in state it comes naturally it's there it's your either sort of most outgoing in terms of your ideas are flowing or you know are we on a stage are we behind the camera or are we out sort of sitting quietly in the woods on you by yourself what's, what's <laughs> well that depends what the the intention of the of the situation when i'm working with my clients my flow state is really digging into what they want to achieve because if you know like um if you're starting out or even if you've been in business for a while when you're approaching like getting clients and showing up and the visibility there's a million and one blog articles at your fingertips at any moment um, and people get pulled in all directions like they want to do TikTok or reels or youtube or blogging or things like that um, and i try and strip away all of those things that uh, we, we often assume that we have to be doing and that that really is an exciting moment for me as part of the project like to kind of go like you can forget all of these things that you hate doing let's find the like your why let's find like the kind of core of the messaging that you want to put out there and that's the work that i love to do apart from that in my own business when i'm, I'm looking at my lead generation i just love uh, content creation. I love making posts, writing blogs, creating videos, and really kind of finding the, the kind of the, the core of an idea. I'm saying core quite a lot, but I really like getting down in, into the kind of the, what's the real message here? Um, and that's the work that I absolutely love to do. What, what is it about that? I mean, is it, is it the actual creation bit? Is it the idea or the sort of assistance to other people? I mean, for you, where, where does the buzz come from? The buzz comes from, you know, like if you've got a really complicated concept, um, like I talk about digital strategy, some of my clients talk about nutrition, some of them talk about business, some of them talk about design. Um, and for them, they're the experts. They're the absolute experts. They've studied it for years. They've read every book that they can get their hands on. They've watched loads of YouTube videos and they have this kind of level of expertise and level of knowledge that if they were to speak about their expertise, their ideal clients would possibly not have an, a clue what they're talking about. So it's the curse of knowledge or the curse of expertise. Um, and I find that I find that really interesting to kind of to get in there and really have like for myself as well and for my clients to kind of always be stepping into your clients shoes, always be stepping into your target audience's shoes. And go, well, do they know that word or is it total jargon to them? Do they know this concept or do we need a bit of education here? And it's it's really always about using empathy as a strategic way forward, really trying to understand what's going on for your ideal reader, ideal client, um, and translating your expertise in a way that's going to get them nodding and go like, oh my God, this is for me. She's speaking directly to me here. And I always say, like, get them nodding, not nodding off in terms of like getting getting your content out there. So it's like that's the I find that really exciting because I learn a lot from my clients and I, I really get into into the heads of other people to kind of to see the world from a different point of view. And I just I don't know. I think it's just really exciting to, to do that. Am I right in saying you, you're a wee bit nerdy about this? Is that, is Maybe that... <laughs> it could be said. It could be said that I'm a little bit nerdy. Like uh, my my husband's always like, <laughs> like the like the books that I take on holidays. He's like, "What are you reading?" <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, you've got the normal stuff, and it's like, what the hell are you reading? It's like, yeah, I have the fiction and the nonfiction every time I go somewhere. <laughs> okay, I mean, it sounds like you're really—it's either writing, creating. You're you're quite sort of a, a creator in the physical form. So yeah, very much the written word. Um, is is it more the spoken word or is it more written? Because digital media is more written than spoken, right? Well. It comes down to like the real juicy stuff for me is getting that message right. And then after that, it's just how it's delivered. And uh, when I'm working with people who work alone, how it's delivered, that's like a real roadblock for people because some people hate writing or just it's not in it's not a, a strong skill of theirs to write, but they love to talk or they absolutely couldn't stand the idea of showing up on video, but they love to create graphics or diagrams so like the delivery of the idea it's really just the vehicle for the idea and the concept so it's getting that concept really tangible and figured out like and, and what is the message here um, and th that's the important work and then after that it's just delivery you could deliver it on in like as a video as a blog post or as a interpretive dance if you really were in that way inclined but the delivery of it is it's kind of the second step after like really figuring out what that message needs to be. And that could be anything from, you know, like raising awareness of a cause to raising awareness of like products and services. So it, it really is. It's the same for 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 anything that you're trying to communicate to really get into the shoes, into the head, into the mindset of the person you're trying to reach with that communication. And would you go as far as saying it is your fire in your belly, it's your passion, it's your purpose? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it has been since I was studying graphic design way back in Athlone many, many, many years ago. I'm not even going to count. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? That, 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 has it always been with you or is this something, had you good to go on a journey to get to where you are now? I think it was always there and I studied design, uh, design communications, uh, like between 18 and 21. And that's, you know, it's a real moment where you're kind of figuring out who you are and concept concept was always the thing that was the exciting moment of any kind of project. So a lot of design work is you get handed a brief and, uh, the objectives might not be clear. But you're handed this vague brief sometimes and you have to figure out, well, what is the actual question here? What are we being asked to do? And that figuring out of the brief was always the most exciting part of the project. A lot of people were um, like getting really excited about photography and layout and fonts and typography. And I did like all that stuff as well. But um, immediately it showed up for me that concept and like meaning was like the actual the kind of the, my area of you know, joy, flow, all of that good stuff. That's great. I mean, do you, do you tend to see people or understand people's strategy before they do? I mean, is, is that, that just a, a natural thing that experience brings you? You know, people are sitting there going, I'm not sure what my, my strategy is or my purpose or even actually what I'm doing here. And yet you can see it all. Is that the way for you? It's, it's kind of like an unraveling process. So the strategy is always there, but sometimes it's crowded with, uh, distractions, assumptions, imposter syndrome sometimes, um, mixed messages and confused things. So it's it's about when I work with my I work one on one. So I work face to face like on a Zoom call uh, with most of my clients. And it's a process of getting to know 
what they're trying to achieve and what they used to always love doing or what what is what is their passion what is their creative flow and like as i get to know the person it becomes clear that certain things are just going to be absolutely not an option and certain things we could be we could be open to um so it's a kind of an a la- like stripping away layers and to find out what is the most like natural thing to do here so it's sometimes i can see it but that's where the kind of the coaching aspect comes into it as well if i tell somebody what to do it's not going to be as meaningful as guiding someone to the idea that feels really exciting and really right for how they show up online or how they present their 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 services and their and their offering so it's really is a kind of a stripping away process and then a kind of facilitating a light bulb moment in a way it's a real catch Right too, isn't it? Because you might be able to see it, but they can't. And the problem is, if you just deliver it without bringing them with you, then they're not going to get it. Right? And it's not. It's not. They're not. They're not going to have ownership of it. So, like a lot of solopreneurs, they, they like myself. I don't want a team because I don't like to delegate. I like to be in control of my voice online. I like to be in control of how I'm perceived online. Obviously, you can't control how people perceive you, but you. The I like to be in control of what shows up um, in related to in relation to me and, and my business. And that's true of a lot of the people that I work with. They don't really want to um, be misrepresented. And they sometimes, I mean, my kind of thought here is that if I'm just coming in there and saying like, okay, you need to do a reel a day every day. These are the hashtags that you need to use. And these are the words that you should use. It just has no meaning. And it doesn't, you don't feel like you have ownership of how you're showing up and it comes down to you at the end of the day and i think it's really important to kind of to to kind of feel your way into it sometimes and just like experiment push out of the comfort zone maybe a little bit as well and that's where my guidance comes in it's like on what is actually going to be effective to reach your goals what is actually going to be effective and not drain the life out of you every time you have to go and do it what i mean What's your suggestions here? Because I mean, I'll be honest and say it's, it's something that doesn't come naturally to me. I mean, I'm I'm delighted to have beautiful, deep conversations. I work away myself, and it's like, do I have to tell the world? <laughs> like, <laughs> can I not can be myself, and I not just crack along here, you know, quite happily? Or, or you know, how do you how do you help people to sort of realize it has to be a balance between the outgoing and the but that's that's a really good question. That's fantastic because visibility is like it's such a it's such an important it's it's almost a buzzword as well these days. Oh, you have to be getting visible. You have to be on these certain kind of platforms. Um, but I work with people who range from very introverted to very extroverted, um, and the creation of a message, the creation of how you communicate what you do and how you want to get out there. That's all well and good, but um putting it on wheels and bringing it around to the people um it's it's you're not going to get clients you're not going to make any money if nobody knows about you so we i try to position it to people in a way that you love this work if you want to get this work you got to do this work <laughs> you have to do the visibility work in order to get to serve the the clients that you want to serve I think a lot of people who get into business for themselves, they get into it because of a certain passion or they know they can help people or they know they can bring a transformation to certain people because they've had that transformation themselves. So they're very often 
passionate about helping people or bringing a certain thing to the world, but that visibility bit is a, is a hurdle, it's an obstacle for them. But we kind of, I, I try and work that kind of mindset of, if you get this to people, you get to do this work that you wanted to do in the first place. So that's kind of, it, it is a kind of a motivational factor, especially for people who love to help others. That's really interesting, you know, to, to put it almost as a service or a duty that actually, you know, yeah. you to, to create or for you to do that, it's your duty to give back, it's your duty to help others, to, to inspire them, right? You know, to let them help bring them on to the next level. Yeah. What, I mean, then on that aspect, you know, how do you help people to actually, um, you know, so multiply their message or, you know, get them in their natural state? As I said earlier, because we all have a flow state, right? But then sometimes when you put someone in front of the camera, they suddenly change. <laughs> they change accent. They change. They're sort of a bit uptight. They're on edge, right? And you kind of need them to fall into themselves because that's what yeah. the character is, right? Mm. How, how do you get the real person across without getting this sort of this false going to call it a false idol or this false persona across yeah. how, how do you how do you keep it natural um practice absolutely practice you can't know everything before you start this is like something that i say like 10 times a day to people you can't know how to do this if you've never done it you can't like this is like it's the kind of the 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 catch 22 of between courage and confidence you can't be confident at doing a live video if you've never ever done it. So it takes that little bit of courage to step outside your comfort zone and give it a go. So I talk about video a lot because I do video quite a lot, but it's speaking on stage, writing a blog post, writing anything, or just saying, this is my service and I can help you achieve this result. To get people to actually articulate that, um, there is that little step outside the comfort zone and I do often encourage people to have an experimental, almost playful mindset to it, um, especially if they've never done any kind of visibility before or any kind of showing up anywhere in relation to their own services. Um, but it's, it takes that first initial leap of faith to go, I think this feels right. I think this is going to be my, my best way forward. But I'm just going to have to ha take that first step and see how it feels. And after that, it's about it's about getting the reps, giving things a chance as well, giving things a chance to work, giving people a chance to get used to what you're saying or to start understanding uh, who you are, and what you're all about. But that that kind of is this going to work? We don't know. We don't know. We're going to we're going to base it on our on my experience as a as a strategist and their experience knowing their ideal client and it's going it's just a kind of getting the reps after that and then it just be, kind of comes natural and, and easy but that first you know you never you didn't write your first book in an afternoon unless you did <laughs> and then that's your flow state for sure <laughs> well that's it's knowing that isn't it it's actually finding your 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 state so i mean for you and and you know maybe talk to me about some of your clients and and how you've been able to bring them on and what sort of what you've been able to do for them or bring out of them and, and help them on their way i mean how, how's it been for you um it's it it's very different from one person to the next because everybody's obstacles and assumptions about their own service and assumptions about their own um visibility it's always just that little bit different and um, it's very often comes down to doing less better like doing 
fewer things, but doing what you do better. And, and like, this is something like, if we take, for example, I had um, a, cr a creative solopreneur, so somebody who was designing and offering design services. And they, as a kind of a, an assumption, thought, I have to be on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, and Pinterest. And their time and their energy was just getting gobbled up by trying to post every single day on all of these platforms and responding and engaging to all of these places. And like their, their content was very simple. It was like an inspirational quote or um, like a thought or a tip. And every single day they were trying to post on all of these channels. And their assumption there was, I have to cover as big, a, like throw out as big a blanket as possible so I can catch my clients. But when we actually explored a little bit deeper, we found out their favorite platform to show up on. And we found out the overlap of where their perfect dream client was spending time and where they actually quite liked to spend time as well. So this is like as an example of social media, it could be something even, even more different. But there's an assumption there that you need to be doing all of the things like doing webinars, getting on stage, writing blogs, getting on podcasts, having your own podcast. Um, you feel like you need to be doing as much as possible to meet as many people as possible or to get in front of as many people as possible. Whereas the reality is you're focusing on where they're spending their most of their attention and where that overlaps with how you can show up in a way that doesn't drain your energy and make you feel really uncomfortable. It's, it's interesting you say that because I, I do come across, you know, whether it be guests or other people that either they're launching books or doing something else and they have this exhausting itinerary. And, and I look at it and it's like, you know, oh, this is my 400th podcast today and we've got to do this, we've got to do this. And then, you know, there's this big blip of activity. And then, you know, Q then two months later saying, I'm going off social media for time because uh, I'm, I'm done or I need to, you know, take R and R time. And then a month later, they come out with this post and saying, I was so close to breakdown. I was, yeah. tears, blah, 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 blah. And this, this whole thing and, and just this yo yo, you know, math, you know, and I don't know, maybe just as a bystander or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, I don't know, a belief in me or something else. And it's kind of going, do we have to do that? Is maybe that's just the part of being a solopreneur that, there's times when you have to be on your A game, you have to be in promotion mode or marketing mode, and then there's other times you don't. I don't know. What's, what's your thoughts there? Well, I, I often say that, um, well, first of all, <laughs> I, I hear this all the time, and every day on Instagram, it's like, oh, no, sorry, I've been missing for three months because I, you know, I, I had a visibility hangover from all of, the, all of the work that we're doing. But it doesn't have to be... This is again, comes back to like stripping away those assumptions. If you don't want to do social media for a business, you don't have to. If you don't want to create video or write blog posts for your business, you don't have to, but you do have to make some effort to connect with your ideal client. So connecting with your ideal client could mean going to a networking event and having one conversation, having a strategic partnership with somebody else who speaks to your audience and let them do the talking and have like kind of a referral or an affiliate scheme there, but some way to connect with people. And the ideas are endless, like strategic partnerships, affiliates, even just like running Google ads 
that's like you do that once you articulate your services really well that's not you showing your showing your face every single day and it's a little budget of ads but that budget of ads could save you a lot of heartache and a lot of time and energy if showing up online is actually your biggest nightmare so like there's a way for everybody to do it if you're really introverted or if you're really shy or you don't feel like you can speak up um there's always a way to connect with people as long as you've got those people um like in your in your mind as the people you'd like to serve when i heard somebody you know talking to there's a presenter a lady who was what you call an unconscious competent or even she was uh mm. You know, she she knew what she knew, but then the fear of getting on stage or the fear mm. of speaking out until it was explained, like, this is greater than you. This is your duty to share this because the person in the audience is waiting not not to sort of watch you, but to hear what you have to say. Mm. You know, it's, it's, and it's that thing of helping people to say, listen, it's be of service to each other. And I think that's what we're here for. I don't know. If, I don't know if you discover what your purpose in life is yet, but I mean that thing right you know whereas humans we should be here to help each other and it's not everyone's not looking at you or what you're wearing or how you're speaking too busy thinking about themselves right this is it this is it there's a there's a line in uh what do you call it dr strange dr strange you know that kind of marvel movie i'm not a huge fan of the dr strange franchise but um there's a bit when he speaks to his mentor and she says there's something that you always get wrong and it's that you think it's all about you because he's like this big egomaniac person. But you think it's all about you, and it's not at all about you. And I think that's the, that's the kind of that little mindset shift again of, if you do this, you get to do the work that you really wanted to do. If you do this, you get to help a person who needs your help. Um, and I, I think it makes it easier. And there's also a part of it that there's an assumption that if you do any kind of visibility or if you're making any kind of promises about what you can do, that the trolls will, will, you know, come after you or like people will kind of say, who are you to say this? Um, and I like to kind of go off the assumption, not that everybody's out to get me, <laughs> but what if everybody out there wishes me well? What if everybody out there is supporting me? Because I don't know what's gone, going on in somebody else's head. It's actually none of my business what's going on in somebody else's head. But if I have a service that can help people do the work that is really fulfilling to them, it's my job to kind of to show up a little bit and say, you know that thing that you wanted to do? That's the thing that I can actually help you with. And that's true of all of the, of the like a lot of solopreneurs that I meet. It's like they want to do a certain thing. It's an interesting point, and I'm curious what, you know, because you, you talked to there about trolls. Yeah. I would say, I don't know, I'm going to guess, if, if some people dig, dug down saying it, it's more than just about, um, more than about getting your message out, right? So a lot of the time it's going to be, what is it that other people are going to say about me? Mm -hmm. Is it that? Because I, I, that, that would be my suspicion. Our fear is actually of what the trolls or people could say. First of all, what's what's your thoughts on trolls? You know, are they good or are they bad? Do they have their place, not, et cetera? And then also then how can you get around that? How can you manage that? Because, I mean, it's going to come into every digital media strategy, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's haters going to hate, you know? It, that's just it. Um, I think trolls have been, like a space has been created for trolls. So trolls being somebody who's just always going to speak negatively or cut you down when you're trying to do something 
And that existed before the internet as well. <laughs> like, I mean, bullies and people who just want to see others fail, that existed before the internet. It's just now it, they can do it completely anonymously and in a kind of a, a really disruptive way for um, people who are maybe showing up with good intentions. That's not to say every solopreneur and business owner out there is like a gold top prince who means only well, like apples for the children. And, you know, they're not, not everybody's like a perfect like citizen. Um, and I think trolls in the kind of the broadest definition, they're, they're somebody who's kind of opposing what the person is, is standing up and saying. And I think it takes... It, like in my experience of like being self-employed like over 10 years it's happened for to one client that they've been trolled and that they were speaking to a sensitive topic and they were stepping into a new platform that they didn't really understand it was like showing up on TikTok when it was brand new and they thought oh, I need to get on the new latest thing and they were showing up expressing their personal opinion and they got slated really 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 slated and that at that point they came to to me and we decided that this is not a platform that they should be on and the way that they speak to this sensitive topic needs to be really really figured out because people are more sensitive now than they ever have been with with you know it with good reason um but trolls in that case people might feel like they're representing their community or you know, speaking out against hate speech or um, something that is unethical. And they feel like sometimes maybe they're like, they feel like they're warriors kind of defending a cause and good for them. You know, if they feel like they're voicing something that they need to say, you know, have at it, go for it. But if it's somebody who's just hating just to hate, that exists as well. And people have their own stories and reasons for doing it. But as the person showing up, if you feel like you're showing up with the right intentions and you've prepared what you need to say in a way that isn't offending or hurting anybody, you just need to kind of remember why, you're, why you started and why you're doing this and why you're showing up in the first place. And if that is stronger than a little bit of criticism, you have, you know, you've, you've reached the next level of the game. <laughs> You're through to the next round. Well, that's always the thing, isn't it? I mean, sort of, some people say, well, listen, the haters are great because it means you're getting more visibility, right? And, you know, and that's, it's almost a level, you've got to level up in the game because then, uh, you know, it's almost like saying if you don't have a team of haters, then you're not pushing hard enough. <laughs> yeah. If everybody loves what you do, you're, you're just blending in to the crowd. So that's like, there's a designer called David Carson, um, who's like, he was this, mad surfer designer and he started doing like crazy stuff with this magazine i think it was raygun and he just started doing crazy stuff with text and crazy stuff with images and like to the point that you could barely read the text um and his kind of mission was we want to see your ideas not your software so don't hide behind the tools that you use really you know say something be bold you know exist don't just try and blend in with everybody else and that's not like my advice to everybody but you, if you don't have a point of view and you're not making any kind of point about anything, you, your, your, your stuff and your presence is going to be very forgettable. And maybe you're not going to have the same results that you, you had hoped. But if you have an opinion about something and if you feel like you have the energy to be bold, 
that's a way to kind of get the visibility and gives you the strength to kind of not listen to the haters and the trolls. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, it is a challenge, you know, it's, it's an interesting one. It's not a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge if we choose it to be, but that, it's that interesting aspect. And, and I suppose almost with social media, you know, do you, you know, being, just being good, solid and honest, you know, you might say, well, that, is that enough? Yeah. Then how do you stand out from the crowd? Because there's enough people being good, solid and honest. So, mm. so if you want to be, because you have to choose a strategy, right? Do you, do you go for the confrontation aspect? Do you go for the shock aspect? Do you go for the crude or you go for the unusual or what do you do i mean how, how do you how do you find that for people and saying you're okay i can just have i can give you a normal strategy or i can give you something that's going to make you stand out i mean what's what's your strategy? well there's everybody's an individual and if you tune into who you are and your voice this is like it sounds like a textbook answer well <laughs> well pete <laughs> um everybody has their own there's everybody has something to say and a lot of fear gets in the way when they feel like they can't say it just in case they offend somebody or hurt somebody. But if you do tune in to you as your, you as a person and you as an individual speaking to another individual, this is going to sound like really cheesy, but really connecting with your why and connecting with your own voice. And you are an individual. There's nobody like you, but you. And like tuning into that. And I think there's a lot of kind of copycat that happens, especially on like um, in terms of like a branding, there'll be like a trend or like a buzzword or like a certain hashtag authentic thing. Um, and everybody kind of jumps on it, which means everybody's kind of saying the same thing. But if you really kind of really spend time to connect with, well, what am, what am I trying to say? And why is this important to me? And what am I saying that... N- like nobody else is saying or what's my approach that nobody else is taking that's going to make you unique and it's not about kind of Claire has a list of strategies that you're going to tune into it's not that at all it's about really connecting with I'm going to be like a broken record now connecting with the person that you're trying to reach that you know you can help and needs to hear this and serving them and it doesn't really matter about like trends or algorithms after that it's like um it's about <laughs> finding something that's unique to you yeah I mean, I heard someone say, and I don't know what your thoughts on, you know, is like the, the best person you can help is who you were three or five years ago. Yes. And I don't, do you agree with that? That's absolutely it. And it's like, I talk to people about, you know, like the, the ideal client and people say like, oh, my ideal client is just like me. And I said, yes, but it was you in the past before you solved this problem. And that, that actually is, is quite useful to kind of, to point to, because again, with the jargon and the vocabulary that you'll now know, after having had this problem solving transformation journey, it might not have been, you know, the Claire five years ago that was still struggling to figure this thing out. So I think a lot of people zone um, like tune into an ideal client that was them before they solved this problem and that there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's, it's a really, really good place to start. So tell me, how, how did you get into this and, and what the hell took you to France? <laughs> well, I'll give you one guess for what took me to France. <laughs> It was a man, of course, um, but I got into the weather and the wine, really. Well, there's, there's that. I mean, that helps. It does help. Um, although the weather, it's got really, really hot very early this this year. And it was just like, whew, the mosquitoes are out in force. Um, but what took me, well, they kind of they kind of synchronized the kind of coming to France and working for myself. I came to France in um, 2009. 
2009. Oh my goodness, a whole decade ago. Um, and it was with the idea of learning French. I wanted to spend a year in Paris, live the Parisian life and, you know, make stories and have an experience in my life. Um, but one year is not enough to learn a language, especially not for me anyway. Um, but I stepped into, uh, we moved to Paris with this lovely French man that I met, who I'm married to now. And I moved to Paris to, to learn French so that I could be part of his life and be, be able to speak to his friends and his family and everything. And um, a year of working in uh, communications and design agencies, I realized that I have something else to offer other than like taking orders from an account manager who maybe misinterpreted what the client said in the first place. And I always thought like there was a, there was a whole chain of command that happens in design and communications agencies that the designers don't leave their desks. They're not allowed to speak to people um, because they're the weirdos, they're the creatives. And I always thought like if I was in on this meeting, I would have been able to hear something that this person who isn't a creative, that sounds very, you know, snobby, but somebody who, who didn't, who wouldn't necessarily ask the questions that the creatives would have asked. So I always thought I'd like to be at the table and meet the clients and to ask my questions rather than letting somebody else take the brief for me. So I kind of always wanted to be in those conversations. And especially as somebody who just started working in Paris and French was terrible, I was definitely not invited to those meetings. Um, so when I start, when, when I was in Paris for about a year working in various like diff different communications and design agencies, I decided that um, I wanted to kind of step out on my own and give it a go. And just so happened that we were newly married and we were talking about starting a family. So I thought, well, that'll be great. The flexibility of working for yourself, it's going to be much better um, so that I can be there for the kid or, or whatever. Quickly realized that having a new business and a new baby at the same time was, you know, nuts. <laughs> um, but there was a very chaotic couple of years where I think I learned so much about myself, so much about connecting to other people, so much about community and the importance of community um, that I, I wouldn't change anything. It was a crazy time with very little sleep, but um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. So um, coming from graphic design agencies, always having from the very early days of my studies, loving concept, it kind of naturally came that I started building websites and building brands for people. And as an English speaking expat in Paris, I quickly stepped into the network and the community there. And the early days, the work really, really flowed in to the point that I was overworked, exhausted, made all of the mistakes of over delivering, working weekends, taking my laptop on holidays, um, and like made all of those mistakes to, to, to the point of just being knackered all the time and having no social life. So over the years, um, I got better at that and worked with coaches, did a lot of courses. I don't even know how many courses and books that I've bought over the years. And ultimately, we left Paris to move to the south of France. We had another kid and I thought, right, no messing around anymore. I have to respect my boundaries of time and energy so that actually I can have a life outside of serving clients. And that's kind of what, what brought me to this, like the strategy work. It's, it connects with my passion for finding that concept, finding the real question, 
and really connecting with the person sitting in front of me. Like, who are you? What is unique to you? What's going to work for you specifically? Um, and I think a lot of that came from becoming a parent as well. So, uh, yeah, long story short. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And I, and I love the way you've sort of found your niche. Well, one, that you've understood the balance between home life and, 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 and you know, life of an entrepreneur because the usual aspect was you know you give up your nine to five to, to do a, a five to nine you know? yeah. <laughs> go longer and harder and then you're like oh god I've got a kid and then I've got to somehow sort of balance you know doing all the things for myself as well right because that's it, a lot of solar solopreneurs and entrepreneurs all fall for that they sort of think oh it's easy and then they forget they well, have a HR department or a finance department or a marketing department or anything else right so they've got to be the they've got to be all those things were you clear in where you were going or did it take really that sort of iterative process to almost sort of try and tweak and change, try, tweak, change, you know, and constantly going along? Or you're saying that sort of the work came quite quickly and, and was it in the field in the area that you wanted to be? Yeah, well, this is it. Like the work came quite quickly because I was saying yes to absolutely everything. Like I felt that um, I couldn't legitimately work for myself unless I was matching my salary from before. Which is not really fair because <laughs> it's um, you need to you need to kind of find your feet when you're working for yourself as well. So th there's a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks in the first couple of years, and I think that's normal. And you should kind of accept that you're going to be experimenting and trying things in the early days. But there comes a point where you have okay, pick a thing now, <laughs> pick your thing. Um, and I think as a designer and as somebody who's worked in agencies and loved the buzz of a deadline and loved that um, the kind of the energy of creating things and publishing things and sending things out to print and launching websites, I was always really excited by that, by that energy, but that was always as part of a team. So uh, that iterative, iterative process of finding how I wanted my business to be um, that took a good maybe five years to kind of find things and to start saying no to things. Like I started saying no to like, oh, I just need a logo and a business card. Can you do it for me this afternoon? And charging like 50 quid for it. That's like craziness, which is what I was doing in the early days because I said I have to say yes to absolutely everything. But there's a milestone moment in your business when you realize that you're doing people a disservice by just like throwing a logo together and a business card. It's almost like you're not doing them any favors by not taking a bigger, bigger picture approach to like, well, why? Like this is a waste of fifty quid. What are you going to do with this thing? Um, and and the kind of just that uh, that iterative process in my working style and getting the confidence to say no to people and getting the confidence to say, well. In, in not in so many words, but I don't think your idea is going to work. Finding ways and the guts to say that to people who are so passionate and sure about their idea, um, that takes a long time and it's, it's like personal growth on steroids, you know, like you really find out, you find your own voice in it as well. I, I, I don't, I don't know, I forget your original question there, I went off in a bit of a rant. No, it's, it's <laughs> you know, I suppose finding your nature, finding what it is and it's interesting there because I suppose in, in even in the coaching world, you have something similar-ish where people come to you for a reason. Do you have to give them what they want, but actually really then what you're going to do is work on what they actually need. 
that's the difference between what they want and need. So, is if you if you start saying, well, listen, I know you want that, but listen, I'm not going to do that. I'll do that. They're like, well, well, then you're not giving me what I want, and they toddle off into the sunset. Vice versa, if you can explain or you connect, and it's like, well, could do that, but actually, here's a better strategy, or here's right. Does that make sense? It does, and it was something that it took me. Um... It's, it's what it is, is what it is, is sales. Um, and luckily I have a salesman husband <laughs> um, who helped me to kind of really understand the value of selling. Now he works in an IT world. He's a manager of sales things and everything. So that initial nudge of his sales tips made me explore a little bit more. How do I sell? How can I sell as a creative? I think creatives are very, find it very difficult to to ask for money or to this is how much it costs or this is how long it'll take. And um, I always find those conversations very difficult. But again, it goes back to you want to get to do this work and you don't want to have to like set yourself on fire making a logo in two hours and make it into print for somebody. But um, to really be of service to people. And, I, and that's a really important kind of adjustment that I made um so somebody comes to me and they want a website and they want it next week and they just need these two pages and their content is terrible and they're just it's basically a cv where it actually should be like a, a sales portal um i realized that i'm allowed to say i think what you you're trying to do here is great or i think what you're trying to do here is this what you've got here and what you're planning to do, it might not work. Um, and I, I try to take away that explaining thing. Like I'm a graphic designer. I know what, I, what I'm talking about. I've done digital strategy for years. I know what I'm talking about. And it's not about explaining. It's about coaching them into seeing the possibilities of what they, what they really need to do. And that's like it's really intentional selling. It's it's selling in a way that is an act of service. So somebody comes to me and they want to make um, they've got an event in a week and they want to have a web page up, and that's fine. Uh, but if they are coming to me and they want an entire brand and a website and they have no idea who their ideal client is, I'll try and help them to see that niching is important. I'll help them to see that understanding and empathizing with their ideal client is important before making any design decisions or messaging decisions or what platform they're showing up. So that's an act of service because they might go to the next person, the next coach or the next designer, and they'll just do exactly as they're told. And that person's just wasted like five grand. And I think it's, it's an act of service for me to kind of, to support them to make the right decision for where they want to go in their business. And, and it's, it actually is taking, taking time to reconnect with, okay, this is what I need today, but is this going to serve your business 12 months from now, five years from, five years from now? So I'm helping them making a, a better decision with their investment. And that is also the case when I, I meet somebody and I think I'm not the right person for, your, for what you need right now. I think you need to go and speak to a business coach or a business um, create a business kind of strategy before getting into your visibility in digital strategy. So it comes down to supporting them in, the, in their best next step. I mean, and I mean this respectfully, I mean, how, how difficult is it? And I, and I mean that only because 
so many times in life and, and you hear people going, listen, if I can do it, you can all do it, right? And there's this thing of entrepreneurs or whatever. But the difference is, I suppose, is, is knowing where to apply the pressure. So I'm not saying it's simple. It's simple in, in what it is, but it's that's because it's taken them a while to find out where to sort of pin the tail on the donkey. Right? You know, so once you do find that and once you find your niche and you find your person and you find your the people you work best with and your flow state and everything else, then it's easy, right? That's strategy. What you just described, that's strategy. So um, strategy is like understanding where you're going, using your resources in the most sensible way to get there. And your resources are time, money, energy, um, and investing those in a way that gets you where you want to go. And that's doing one thing well. It's connecting with a particular ideal client instead of trying to say like, well, my service can help anyone. And that's, it is easy when you stripped all that other stuff away. I serve this person, this person, this person. I have this service, that service, and that product. And oh, I've made a course. Um, and it's like, the things that you start with are your strong foundations of strategy. So like really knowing what you're actually trying to do here. <laughs> really knowing, if I say this today, is it still gonna be true next year? And not trying to copy somebody else. So yes, strategy is hard to, to kind of pin down and it takes a little bit of experimentation and um, you know, like testing. But once you've kind of eliminated the things that you don't want and really understood in a more like an embodied way, this feels right to me, this service feels right to me, or this channel feels right to me, then it becomes easy. But it's, like, it's that old thing, what is it that they say, um, the engineer comes in to fix the machine and he just bangs it with a hammer one time. And he said, like, well, why did that cost a thousand euros? He's like, it's knowing where to use the ha where to hit the hammer. <laughs> but um, it's it's about kind of really knowing where the work, where you need to focus your attention as well. I love what you were saying earlier, that whole, whole aspect of doing less but better. And that that's so key, isn't it? It's like, listen, you know, uh, and what is it about people, the wiser people or, or sort of more mature or the more senior of people, all the rest? they're not physically doing more but they are doing less i mean time and time again it's they're doing less and it's like and that's not because they're lazy it's because they've either learned or they know or there's time or whatever right so they're just knowing where to apply the pressure and that's key, right that's true like if you think about it i mean a lot of gurus and entrepreneurs they make kind of comparisons with sport so i'm learning how to play tennis at the moment and um the, sorry, my husband just walked in the door there. I'm going to tell him to be quiet. Um, the important and the valuable stuff is learning to be really efficient with your gestures so that you're not wasting energy. To be really efficient uh, and to kind of get the, the kind of the small details of your technique figured out so that you're not, you know, going to sprain your wrist or fall over or uh, just waste loads of energy. So like it comes down to like, golfers understand this and tennis players and like football players anybody who's kind of into any kind of sport they know that the technique is crucial to not wasting your energy on things that aren't going to get the result that you want so like i think i understand why, why the all the gurus kind of make the comparison to sports because it is like doing less better like your golf swing is going to be way more powerful if you're i don't know i don't play golf but uh, if your arms and legs are in the right position, you know? So I think that's what we see when we see these kind of big 
well-known entrepreneurs and gurus and people who really would be perceived to be very successful, they're known for one thing. They're known for like a, a cornerstone thing. And that thing is in everything that they create. So like the books that they write, the courses that they create, the speeches that they make. You know, so if you look at Simon Sinek, he's the why guy. If you, if you look at Denise Duffield Thomas, she's the money mindset person. So they do one thing and they master it and they become all about that thing. So it's about doing less better. They know the techniques that work for them. They know the messaging that works for them. And they know their ideal client so deeply that every time that they create something, it's a hit. You know, so it's about doing those things, uh, doing less better. Is, is that the way forward, do you think? It's that aspect of going deeper, not wide. You know, it, mm. it, there's so many people going, well, I, I want to serve everyone. I want to serve mm. the entire world. And, you know, but then you're like going, actually, if you served a very niche person or niche set of people, let's say, a very niche group, then actually you will naturally attract those that are around or like that energy or anything else anyway, right? So it's, it's trying to encourage people to, one, I suppose, be brave enough to work on your niche or, or to, to focus on that. And then two, drill that niche as deep as you can go. And then naturally other people, I, I think was my point is maybe where I'm getting it. It's the difference between finding and attracting, right? You know, it's like, what do you want to do? Go find your next client. And that's like, that's quite energy intensive. Or do you want to just attract the people by drilling on your niche, right? Well, this is it. You also just become better at what you do. If you're really obsessed with what you do a bit like I am um you're if it's natural for you to kind of research that and explore that and to be really to go really deep on something you're going to be of a way of a much better service provider or if you're creating if you're writing books or writing speeches or creating courses or delivering a, a service you're just going to be way better at what you do if you're very specific about the problem that you solve or the area that you that you focus your expertise. And if you become the expert and everything that you say is kind of it, it leads back to this problem or this this thing that you that you've zoomed in on, it's much easier to build a reputation because if you build it, if you can try and diversify what you're all about and diversify the things that you, the problems that you help to solve, it just kind of dilutes it across lots of different channels. So I talk about digital strategy, which incorporates brand and mindset and visibility. But I could also say logos. I could also say websites. I could also say flyers, email marketing, social media marketing, content marketing. But that's just like the confused mind, as Donald Miller says, the confused mind doesn't buy. So if you're confusing people, they're just going to go, I don't really get this. And there's a thousand other people waiting to take your place. So I think really being specific helps you to be better at what you do. It helps you to be more memorable to people. It helps you to build a reputation more. And that all of those things open up opportunities to you to kind of achieve what you wanted to achieve in the first place. Who do you think you can serve best? Well, I think <laughs> I can serve. Who do you serve best? Let's, let's put it in the future. <laughs> I think I can serve Claire from five or six years ago, maybe even more than that, maybe like seven or eight years ago before she, before I was getting coached, because I think you need, as a solopreneur, working alone is a big mistake. So working alone is, um, it's for a start, very, very lonely. 
But when I when like years ago, uh, as a somebody who's a, a freelance designer, so I wasn't even calling myself a business back then. I was a freelancer who was just like taking orders from people and working every hour of the day and night and answering emails when my my little boy was begging me to come and play um, and just over delivering, overworking, undercharging. I think a lot of people go through that moment in their business. And I was recommended a, a really good friend of mine saying, I've been working with this coach. She's brilliant. Um, she's going to kick your arse, but she's got to change your. Oh, sorry. It's my alarm to go collect the kids. Sorry. Um, uh, but I was encouraged by a good friend of mine to go and work with a coach. And as soon as you work with a coach, you step into a community. And as soon as you work with a coach and a community, things start to make sense because you're not you're not stuck in the cycle, the hamster wheel of your own thoughts. You're not stuck kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Um, and I think I can help that person, the person who is in that moment of wanting to have a better balance so that they can be present when they're with their kids or with their friends or with their partner or with their parents, who, whatever place they are in at their life, whatever place they're at in their life, um, and if they're not enjoying anything and if they're not feeling any joy in their work or any joy outside of their work because it's all just stress all the time, I want to help that person to really tune into the work that absolutely fulfills them, to really have a, a great satisfaction from their work, but not only to create space in their life, to have space and time for their creative and healthy hobbies to earn the money that they need to earn to live the kind of life that they want to live that's the person I want to help because it's not about working harder it's about serving in a deeper way that's interesting well a couple of things there I mean I suppose the the solopreneur is like whilst you're saying it's you are essentially not wanting a big team or anything else but that is not to be mistaken for you know you're doing it all by yourself there's no outside support whatsoever that's not what you're saying if i'm hearing that correctly it's like saying whilst you're working by yourself and your destiny is yours you also have a very strong um connection community that you're connected to that are maybe not in your business but there may be you know, paid for assistance or maybe, you know, support, mentorship, networks, et cetera, et cetera, right? Have I, have I understood that correctly? That's it. That's exactly it. So a solopreneur is basically somebody who ha doesn't have staff. They don't pay anybody's salary. So I never want to be responsible for anybody else's salary. And in France, the bureaucracy, like they invented the word bureaucracy. So I, I didn't want to get into that. Um, but also I love to, I love to be completely independent and be able to work from where, wherever. If I wanted to move somewhere tomorrow, I could do that. Um, but a solopreneur is somebody who is the boss and they're basically running the show. But I have an accountant. I have somebody like a VA who I hire whenever I need her. You know, whenever I need that extra help, um, I'll, I'll give her a call and, and book in with her. I have, I don't have a, currently a business coach, but I have a business mentor. Um, and I have a community, a physical community, like a literal three-dimensional people <laughs> who I meet up with in my mastermind and I also have an online community of um, paid groups of people who are not pitching to each other but are literally sharing experiences and helping each other out and sending each other resources and 
sending each other clients sometimes. So the community part of it is, is so vital when you work alone and having somebody guiding you and listening to you and giving, creating a space for you to talk about your ideas or your fears or your, um, your failures and your successes. I think having somebody there to, to tell and to, to kind of to help you with, to, to guide you in that next step, that's really, really important. And that was always, that was a game changing moment for me in my business where I was like, well, I'm going to do this all alone, but actually I do need a wee bit of help here. So that's, that's, that's literally the person that I love to help. And I love to work with creatives as well, because it's like, there's that shiny idea syndrome that pops in as well. I might recognize that. <laughs> but tell me, I mean, how, how common do you think it is that people actually get to do what they want to do there? You know, I mean, they always have this idea and, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I, I hear that in the language saying, oh, I'd love to do this, but I had kids, but too old, but that opportunity's passed or whatever. I mean, as, as a gut feel, and I know there's not a hard science here, but it's just how often do you think people get to live the lifestyle that you're living, that you love what you do, that you choose your environment, you change what you do, you make it fit one to the other. I mean, how common is that, do you think? Well, I think it would be like tone deaf of me to not acknowledge my privilege. Like I acknowledge fully that I've had access to education. I have, uh, I, I, I had help from the French government when I started my business because they, they had incentives there. I think definitely you like anybody who says like anybody can do this. That's a little bit tone deaf because people are coming from all sorts of situations and circumstances in their life. And you, you kind of have to be grateful for what you have and not be tone deaf when you're speaking about how successful and how easy success can be. So privilege acknowledged. Some, but there's also I mean, yeah. the, the flip side of this is people have greater privilege than you and then have done less. Well, this is it choice right uh, you're or... only responsible for the choices that you make yourself yeah yeah absolutely. so acknowledging that that privilege and some people have even more at their fingertips and don't take advantage of it but that's none of my business <laughs> um i think depending on what your vision of success is it's your own responsibility to go after it and and the kind of tuning back into the like your own vision of success like i'm not looking to make a million euros every year i'm looking to have enough money to um to live the lifestyle that i want to have a future uh, without massive stress um and to be able to provide for my children and aside from that it's all gravy you know it's um it, it comes down a lot to money and access to things um and you define your own version of success whether that's a money thing a lifestyle thing a charity thing it's really it's it's for you to decide and if you have a decision if, if something that you want to go after nobody's going to do it for you nobody's going to come in on a white horse to pull you up and take you to the promised land so it's kind of you, you do have to kind of put the put the priority on the life that you want and your definition of your own success well where i mean for you is is pressure for diamonds or is it just bad planning Oh, say that again? Is pressure for diamonds or is it just bad planning? I think a little bit of pressure is not that bad. I mean, who, I mean, if you want, if somebody wanted to send in some diamonds, I mean, I'm all for it. But um, <laughs> uh, I think, like kind of going back to 
working to a deadline. My dad used to always say, if it wasn't for a deadline, nothing would get finished. Absolutely, because he was an artist. He used to do sets for plays. He used to run exhibitions and he was an art teacher as well. So he was helping students get ready for like their end of year exams, which is actually building things and creating things. So if you don't have a deadline, nothing gets done. And I think that's the tricky thing with solopreneurship because you're the one setting the deadline and you're the one who has to hold yourself accountable to that deadline and putting pressure on yourself endlessly without an end point, without a launch date, without a, a, a kind of a, a schedule for, I don't know, selling a service, raising your prices, putting an end to a, a, a contract that didn't go well. Nobody's going to hold you to a deadline unless you do it yourself or set a deadline yourself. So there's a way of like setting a deadline. It puts pressure on you to get stuff done, not wanting to swear, to get it done, get it out the door, to ship it to whatever, whatever thing it is that you need to, to achieve. And putting that pressure on yourself is important because otherwise it'll just procrastinate and you'll try things and like then be too afraid to launch it and things like that. So that pressure I think is valuable. Putting pressure on yourself endlessly without taking a break and without giving yourself space and time to refill your resources like your creativity, your inspiration, your energy. If you don't give yourself that kind of pressure release, I think it's a recipe for disaster. Um, but a little bit of pressure with a deadline, it can be very exciting. It can be a huge learning experience, but always balancing it out with a rest period or a time to recoup afterwards. It is interesting, isn't it? You know, it's, I think we all need to do it. And, and sometimes we're better working on our pain than our pleasure because we're different, right? You know, it's, if we worked all on pleasure, you're like, yeah, especially with creatives. I recognize that myself. I'm more creative and it's like left to my own devices. I'll just keep creating. <laughs> so it's, it's getting that balance, I suppose, learning about yourself, learning all the, you know, what you're good at, what what's so good at. And I mean, well, tell me, I mean, what, what are you great at and what are you terrible at? Terrible. I'll start there because I'm very, very terrible at my French accounting. It's like <laughs> cold sweats every single time, which is why I don't do it anymore. I just put all of the information in and the accountant does the rest. And um, so French administration and accounting, not my area of genius, very far, in fact, from my area of genius. So I don't do it. I get help with that. Uh, it took me a long time to actually get help with it. I, I was like, a martyr going like, I have to do this myself. I have to understand. I have to learn. And like, in fairness, now, I, did, I did have to understand what kind of business structure I have and how to do the invoices in a legal, safe way for my clients. But it's just as soon as that was initially set up, I'm like, nope, I'm stepping away. <laughs> so yeah, admin, not, not a big love of mine. What I am good at, though, that is a really hard question, though. Do people usually have an answer to this, like locked and loaded? It depends. I mean, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, because sometimes our zone of genius, we're aware of it and sometimes we aren't. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose it is linked heavily to your flow state to where, you know, some people like to say, listen, I love just sitting with people. I love just chatting with people to create or whatever, right? You know, it's different for everyone, so. I think like the compliments that I have had about what I do and things that I was proud of having created 
Um, I've run group events before, like in person and online, and kind of created a a non-salesy environment for people to uh, address problems and to to kind of articulate and to kind of create that safe space for people to to really go past the first answer. I think that's something that's a really weird area, <laughs> but creating space for people to go to go past the first obvious idea and to go deeper into the meaning of things. That's something that I really, really love and I have received compliments about, so I, I feel okay saying it. Are you good at taking a compliment? Not at all. Oh my goodness, not at all. Um, my husband, like, he would always just say, just say thank you, Claire. Just say thank you. <laughs> Okay, I'll put it in my pocket for later. That's it. You don't need to shake it off or, ah, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I was coming this way anyway. Or <laughs> oh, I, was, I was always going to do this 30 page presentation anyway, you know. So, yeah, no, it's isn't it funny how people can, can you know, sort of balance about sort of taking from other people, but then vice versa. We would, you know, I say we, I'm, I'm now doing the role we here, but it's that aspect of being of amazing service. You do it for someone else, but yet when someone does it for you, it's like, Okay. And we love to give we we love to give compliments and give kudos to somebody like this is something my, my daughter actually said it the other day, like after she was born, it was like a light bulb moment for me. I have a daughter now. I have a, a future woman here. I got to step it up in like the role model thing. So I started to like I'd spent years like not doing any exercise, not doing any sport, not really eating healthily, probably drinking a bit too much as well. Um, and I just thought, I'm a role model for this future woman. Like, I mean, I wanted to be a role model for my son as well, but there was just something about it that, that she was a girl. Um, and I rediscovered the, the kind of the balance that you get from regular sport. And I, I rediscovered the kind of the mental health benefits of being physically healthy. And... Uh, it kind of it helped me with my mindset as well. Anytime I would see somebody out running like in the rain or in the dark or when it's really hot here or they've clearly just started out in their in their fitness journey, I'd always say, good for you. Like I'd say it out loud so that they could hear me. And my daughter said it to me the day, you're always telling joggers good for you. And I was like, well, yeah, because good for them. They're doing their thing. And I think that's... Um, I love to give that energy to people and I love to like when my clients go and have a success they come back and they thank me but I'm like you did this good for you and I think good for you is a kind of a motto that I really wanted to kind of pass on to my kids as in you don't have to put somebody else down to feel important or you don't have to kind of put your kind of desire for success in front of somebody else who's going after what they want or doing their thing just like have a good for you attitude but then it's hard to take those compliments. <laughs> it's, it's it's so true, isn't it? The fact that we we sometimes have double standards. You know, it's like I, I've no problems giving it, but I'm a terrible receiver. You know, yeah. You know, it's like try try and give a creative or a, a giving person. Try and give them a present. And watch them. Oh squirm. my goodness! I have a couple of those people in my life. You have to kind of just sneak it in while they're not looking. <laughs> That's it. You know, it's like yeah, you have to sort of do it covertly or whatever. You know, it's an amazing thing. What what for you is I mean what's on the bucket list what what creative things are are coming out for you and what sort of the future hold you know well you're a bit of a role model for me Pete because I'd love to write a book 
I would absolutely love to write and publish a book and have that be useful for somebody. I have, um, do you know James Victory? He wrote a book called Feck Perfection, if you can do the math there. Um, he's not Irish. It's not the Feck of the Irish Feck. But um, he wrote a book that lives by my side and it is it has been a game changer in how I show up, how I kind of uh, give my fears space, uh, but do the thing anyway. So his book has been like. Just it's been like a mentor in my pocket at all times and it's really creative and he's an artist and it, it looks real cool as well. So on my bucket list, I'd love to have a book that impacts people's lives. And I don't know what it's going to be yet, <laughs> but um, I think you've loved the title already. The, what, what's that? Good on you. Good, good. For, yeah, good for you. Good, good for on you. you. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. So, yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to write. That's definitely on the bucket list to kind of to get a, get that book out in the world. I want to write it, I think, would be an achievement in itself. But um, I'd love to have a really cool little book that people like to recommend to their friends that's definitely a big one on the bucket list it's not going to happen this year but maybe who knows who knows when i'm gonna i'm gonna keep you on this 2023 look out in all in all good bookstores <laughs> well but, and that's what it is i mean listen we all need a bit of a nudge sometimes in life you know so true you know whether it's the book or whatever but as someone said to me you know it's almost it's not the legacy for your kids it's for your kids kids yeah you know, proper legacy is, is multi-generational not just one. I always thought I, I find that quite impactful. Yeah, because your kids, like my kids, kind of roll their eyes at most of the things that I talk about. <laughs> Cringe, ma'am. <laughs> but that's it. You know, that you sort of go, well, listen, this will last. This, this yeah. is terrible. And that's that's more than money. That's yeah, money. Money is like it's. Imp I like to have money because I like to do things and go places and look after people. Um, but it was never really my main motivator, though. I love a challenge and I love a puzzle. But like the, the money thing, it's like it's asking for money as a creative. I think it was it's always been a huge problem for me, like to, to raise my prices to on a sales call to say, well, this is how much it costs. But like the money, the money aspect is always like a scary thing, but it's a it's a means to an end. And you can't like, you can't do it for free. I definitely can't do it for free. Yeah, it's 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 always interesting. Money is always an interesting thing when it comes to creatives. You know? So, tell us. I mean, if if you were to you know really try and describe your fire in your belly in one or two words, Claire, what would they be? I want to show up in a way that inspires people, and I want to inspire people to show up in a way that inspires people. So that they can show up in a way. So like, I want to help people to kind of show up in a way that that feels right to them and they get to connect what what drives them so i want i guess it's like i want to help other people discover their fire in their belly and then to go and spread that so that that's like i talk about showing up quite a lot and like i was that girl in school who blushed like to the extent that your friends would see you and they'd blush with you because like oh god claire's doing it again and like I would just constantly be read as a teenager and as a, as a young child. I was extremely shy. You'd never guess how I, you'd never guess it, like the way I blab on and everything. But I was an incredibly shy child, teenager, and even like into my 30s, I was still blushing all the time. Um, and it was just like, 
a few of those little course corrections in my mind as in it's not about you what about thinking that they wish you well what about what's going on in somebody else's head or somebody else's opinion of you is none of your business so you might as well just get on with things all of those things all of those little tweaks along the way that really helped me to show up for my business show up in my relationships to show up for my friends in my marriage in my in my family in in general um as myself not being stopped by what other people might think of me so showing up there's like so much of that is like what other people think of you and it's like long story short is it's kind of none of your business what other people think of you so you might as well just do your thing and do good as much as possible well that's the thing once you get to realize that and then you sort of go well also you know you get to stage in life it's like i don't really care what anyone thinks <laughs> yeah. all bets are off so yeah you are what you are and you get used to that and- oh that is true that's true you just there comes like i mean they say i mean i turned 40 last year and it's like I never believed that life begins at 40, but like something happened and it feels really good. <laughs> Don't fear 40 people. <laughs> I call it my midlife opportunity. Oh, you know? I love it. I love it. Like, a- yeah, you know what? All bets are off. If I want to go to the shop in the slippers, I'm gone. That's cool. <laughs> like- what, what this was it like, I, tu- I turned 40 last summer um, and it was still lockdown situation. Like we weren't allowed to go anywhere. We didn't, I didn't have a birthday party or you know, everybody start crying out there, get the tiny violins out. But I didn't get to do anything for my for my birthday. But the months coming up to turning 40, I did so much soul searching. And like, um, my my father died when he was in his mid 60s. So I thought like, well, if I follow that path, I've got like 24 years left. What the hell am I going to do with it? Might as well start start now. I, I can't say that like I had done a lot of stuff to that. At that point, I was married with kids and I've traveled a lot. But if you figure like, uh, you know, I, I, I read a lot about stoicism, you know, like Ryan Holiday writes about stoicism a lot. And he always talk about amor fati, to love your fate. You know, death is coming. <laughs> it's coming for you at some point. You might as well do good and do the things that you want to do. God, this, God, this, you know, you're right when you say like you go deep in these conversations. Um, but I started thinking about that. Like if, if I've got like 25, 24, 25 years left, I mean... I better make it meaningful. I better, you know, I think life's too short to have mostly bad days. And if you're stressed out by your work or if you're in some kind of toxic situation that makes you miserable, life's too short to sit in it. Again, this is from privilege. A lot of people can't step out of those situations. And I acknowledge that massively, that it's a privileged thing to say. But life is, life can be short and life can be long and... It's your own responsibility to make it what you want it to be. That's, I mean, we do live in a time when there's never been so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, yeah, yeah, you sit in a privileged position, but at the same time, there's also that thing. If there's a fire in your belly and there's a passion in your heart and you're true to who you are, yeah. there's, it'll take, you know, it'll take armies to stop you. Yeah. You know, if you're clear of purpose, there's no doubt about it, you know, it doesn't, one thing I'd say for anyone, I see, I hear it on here time and time again, you know, and actually, ironically, quite often, it's the people who have gone to their darkest hour, they've gone yeah. to their, you know, their, their lowest point in life. They're the ones that are saying, listen, all bets are off. Yep. This is, I'm, I'm sparing the horses for no one. Mm. And, um, and it's amazing. It's like, whereas there's the band of people in the middle that they're good and they're okay. And it's mm. like a bit too cozy to upset things or a bit, 
no, I'm going on a rant, but you know, <laughs> that, that aspect, isn't it? You know, where it's almost sometimes we kind of need to feel a bit of pressure. Mm. We need to sort of get to get to our darkest point to go, listen, you know, all yeah. that's wrong. Or, you know, turn 40 <laughs> and have a midlife opportunity moment. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? You know, and genuinely, I mean, it's, I did it, I had it, you know, so, <laughs> and, you know, hence I'm now 42 and hence the, the book, hence the podcast, hence the, you know, the mentorship and property and all the rest, you know, so, um, and why not? Why not? Genuinely, why not? You know? Risk rewards, you know, it's, you don't get reward if you don't take a risk. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's not, as I suppose it's almost, a, you know, it's a bit like working with people like yourself. It's an opportunity. You know, people should say, oh, how much is it going to cost? Like, no, no, if you worry about the cost, then you're probably not the right person anyway. Yeah. Then, well, what, you know, what opportunities can you bring for me? What can you help me to do? Or, you know, it's a bit like your accountant. Why the hell would, you know, you could go study Jeez. accountancy. <laughs> Claire's breaking the sweat here, you know, it's like. No, I mean, I hate accountancy so much. Uh, but this is it. Like a lot of people, they go about, they, they, want, to, they want to start, like this is an, a huge obstacle for people that they want to show up online and they want it to look all slick and cool and brilliant and perfect and branded. And they'll spend a load of money on their brand and their website before they know what the hell they're doing or what they're saying. And I'm always saying like, start imperfectly because perfect is unachievable anyway um but it's like you don't have to wait for the stars to align i mean it's 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 about taking that aligned action in a way that you know it can be playful and experimental but it's do it you're doing something instead of i met i met somebody recently they've been working on their website for five years and it was they were paying for it <laughs> and they hadn't launched it and i was like well what are you waiting for you go oh, it was not quite right um, but it's like, yeah, time's going by no matter what you do. But it's knowing your weakness too, right? Saying, well, listen, this is not my strength. And that's okay. There's not, it's not, a, it's not a, an accusation or a slight on your personality or anything else. Just saying, listen, it's not for me. And that's for me becoming, you know, or being diagnosed properly with dyslexia and ADHD. Just kind of going, oh, okay, cool. I can let go of that then. <laughs> yeah. It, which is, it's so freeing. It is freeing, you know, but uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so tell us i mean where can people reach out where can they find out more about you where can they hunt you down track you down stalk you any of the above i'm findable on clairecreative.com so my website is my kind of the main hub there for everything clairecreative.com i do a regular blog with tips of uh, how to show up online strategy and even like some techie stuff sometimes and if you're if you're so inclined on instagram i'm clairecreative underscore com wonderful love it and is there a final message you'd like to leave our listeners today? Good for you. You do your thing. Just like sending out a good for you vibe and things, you can't know everything before you start. So just give, give something a go. And if you've got fire in your belly, that's uh, it's good to listen to that. Good enough. Give it a whirl. Oh, Claire, it's been, uh, it's been wonderful chatting to you. So thank you so much for today. Thank really you. Good. And uh, I suspect we'll hear more of you. So until the next time. Thanks. Until the next time. Thanks, Pete. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, oh boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that. And then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon. And it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. 
So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.